This is Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast, a podcast about, you guessed it, nonprofit fundraising. This isn't the first podcast about it, but definitely not like any others you've listened to. This is a podcast for fundraisers by fundraisers. No boring charts or the same stale best practices you've heard for years. No ideas that only work in theory here. No concepts from people who aren't in the same trenches as you are every single day. Each week, you'll get practical strategies and tips to craft messages that engage donors and raise more money. This isn't smoke and mirrors. Everything has been pressure tested in the real world. Plus, you can start using them as soon as the episode ends. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Thomas and Steve Thomas. Hi, this is Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast, Episode 4, How to Reactivate Lapsed Donors. I'm your host, Ryan Thomas, Vice President at Wanicity. And I'm Steve, Steve Thomas. I usually can say my name. I'm Steve Thomas, CEO and one of the founding partners of Onicity. And Onicity, if you are paying uh, close attention at home or keeping score at home, is spelled one I city, O-N-E-I-C-I-T-Y. But if you get just close enough, Google will take care of the rest and uh, get you to the website uh, and uh, take care of the rest. And for those of you that were keeping really close score at home in the first few seconds, you probably noticed that Steve and I share a last name, which uh, may or may not put the title of the podcast into a different realm, or maybe it makes more sense. Maybe it wasn't they probably funny. Think I, they probably think it, if they watch the video, they probably think I'm the like the slightly older brother. You know, yeah, it's like a little bit older. Lots of older brothers have, you know, gray <laughs> all through the through the beard. Hey, hey. Um I gotta paint a picture for those, you know, who are listening. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah. I I, I want to just say, you know, it's what you call me you call me by my first name, but but you also, you know, you use the 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 other word occasionally, the dad word, uh, but the Steve part keeps it from being a little less confusing for outsiders, right? A little bit. I, yeah, I don't somewhat. think completely not, but somewhat yeah. less. Not always at Christmas, you don't always call me that. So I just want to no. get that clear. People think our, we have a really weird relationship. What well, we do, but it's different, not identifiable it's, on the podcast. It's not, it has nothing to do with this. And okay. you know, at yeah. Christmas. Move, is, move along. Move along is what is the text you're getting ready to send me, right? Yeah, my, my, my Christmas gifts and performance reviews kind of trend <laughs> the same direction. It's, it's all the same thing. It's, yeah, Santa it's the performs same the performance reviews. <laughs> So if if you're still listening and and haven't haven't tuned out, um, we started this podcast because fundraising is what we do. And if you do this work, you know that it doesn't stop at five in the afternoon or on Friday. It goes all week. It's in your brain all the time. You're thinking it. You're living it. You're breathing it. And we would have conversations about things we see or ideas we have. And back in the day, these conversations would be at restaurants or out together. 
out at places so what you, in public. What are your awesome barbecues or someplace That's like right. that? That's right. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, we'd have we've got a buddy who who uh, smokes a lot of meat, and we'd all hang out and and regale them with fundraising tales. And you can't do that anymore. And then we realized, even if we could, yeah, they'll yeah. do that. We, you know, there's an opportunity to to bring another seat to the table, and so we started the podcast to give everybody a seat at the table. The only downside being there's no way for us to make sure you catch the next round of appetizers or you're paying the tab. We can't skip out on it, uh, but we're excited to sit down, let you eavesdrop on a conversation that's pretty similar to what we'd have without microphones and talk fundraising, give tips. Uh, our biggest thing is actionable, easy to take, um, take action on and move forward with not theoretical hypothetical things that'll only work in one situation or and, only work in PowerPoint. I, right. You know, we've all, uh, we've all been in that some, meeting. Yeah. And when you got an old, when you got an old boomer up there telling about what the millennial donors are going to do, that's all. That's what, that's a fun one. Here's, here's your mid-level millennial strategy. And you, uh, you won't, you won't find that episode uh, here on not your father's fundraising podcast, but uh, we are going to talk a lot, a lot of things this week is lapsed donors reactivating them. But if you like this episode, if you've liked other episodes, give us your five-star reviews and we really only want your five-star reviews and anywhere you get your podcast, do that. If you have a question or a topic that we ought to cover or any positive feedback you want to leave that's not on the on the podcast app site, send any of that to podcast at onenicity.com. And again, onenicity is O-N-E-I-C-I-T-Y.com. Uh, we want to get that right for the email. Any negative feedback or criticism, uh, we got a spam filter set up, so we won't see that. You can send it, but it's never going to see the light of day. <laughs> another job for the intern that that's we're right our intern has taken care of that and has, has set up intern. to where we keep uh we're we're just such elevated characters that it's it negative feedback isn't even worth coming on beneath, our radar it's, it's, beneath, it's beneath, us. beneath us yeah but the first so we like again we like to do actionable things and mm -hmm. Very specific. Again, this is not PowerPoint in so many ways. Uh, the first thing <laughs> we like to start with is something we've seen. Often mm -hmm. that'll inform what we talk about later. Sometimes it is completely random. But if you've been around other fundraisers, if you have contacts, you share things you've seen. And we would pass things back and forth and still do. And so th this is us doing that in front of quote unquote you. So I think I made you go first the last couple of times. Uh, so yeah, I'll, and I don't, I don't have one. So this one's yours. Oh, so even better. Um, yeah. So I, I get to be the only one. So I have to refer to my phone cause it's an email and I had to, I had to flag it. Um, so I got an email from they're in the nonprofit space. They help fundraising. They're, they're more consulting digital kind of analytics side. I'm not an agency, but uh, I like some of their work and their opinions and their pseudo local. I got an email from them one Friday and it said, dear first name in brackets. 
Okay, so help ever, make sure everybody understands that's a field, right? So if you if you send emails, uh, or if you're new to email but you're you're really used to the direct mail space, it's a data field. It's some field where campaign monitor or Mailchimp is going to fill in for each person. If Steve and I were getting the same email, mine would say "Dear Ryan," his would say "Dear Steve," and it it fills in that data variable. However. However, they set it up, it actually got typed in as first name in brackets. And <laughs> so it said, dear first name, and it was something about in a, a, you know, a seminar or a webinar they were doing or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I got it. Uh, it, was, it was a Friday morning. I remember I was dropping my kids off and I laughed and thought, okay, that makes me feel better. Everybody's human, that, right? Yeah, yeah we happens. haven't had that happen to us in a while. And I don't gloat when other orgs have that happen, but it does make you feel better about, okay, everybody's human. We're all good. It, it just it just happens. And so I, I went about my day. I think I showed it to Sarah, you know, my wife, who's kind of in this space. We just kind of like, okay, that feels good. And then a few hours later, I got an email from the same sender, same guy hmm. at that company. And entitled, I am sorry, is the subject line. Hi, again in brackets, first name. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I know it's Ryan. We made a mistake earlier today in our email asking, you know, what's holding you back from coming to this webinar by calling you first name instead of Ryan. As you know, Ryan, it's a pretty big <laughs> deal to call someone by their name like yours, Ryan. <laughs> in their personal emails and who doesn't like to hear or see their name right right ryan i mean ryan is a great name why oh, wouldn't you that. want Ryan's someone yeah it says i mean ryan is a great name why wouldn't you want someone calling you ryan i'd still love to know you know why you're not coming to the seminar why you haven't signed oh, up oh that's so great and so you're gonna make a mistake if you're in this work longer than a week maybe even longer than a day, you're going to make a mistake. And it happens. We all know that we're human. Donors actually even know that you're human. And concept. if you can take that opportunity to not just apologize for the mistake or resend it with the fix, but to turn it into a personality building thing, because what, what really attracted me and is stuck in my brain about that email isn't that... They said, hey, we know we made a mistake. You know, uh, sorry about that. We fixed it. They're not falling on their sword and having this shame-filled day, you know. It's, it's uh, that they said, look, we made a mistake. It's hilarious. We're just going to start talking. Look, we know how to use this data field. Look how well we know how to use this data. We're just going to do it every day. All My favorite line is, what a great name you had, or you, what an awesome name you had, or whatever that, you know, because because that, in, you know, in the, in the uh, their draft, it says, you know, what an awesome name you have, first name, you know, in the bracket. So, yeah. so that, I, that's just terrific. I'd love to be in the proofing room when they're doing that. Like, okay, let's make sure we got this one right. <laughs> but so it, the thing to take away, and not every time is there a takeaway, don't go out and make a mistake on purpose. But definitely not. If you do make a mistake, if it's not serious, if you didn't send out somebody else's personal information, think about the opportunity that you have. 
because the mistake is going to get noticed. That's the bad news, but it's also the good news because that means it, it has gotten your donor's attention, with it, which is half the battle. Right. So if you reply to that email or you sit, you know, if you send another letter bad out, it, however you deal with that, you've got their attention, which means you can either capitalize on that for a gift or just further that relationship. I can tell you that I open their emails faster after getting that apology email than I did before. And I loved their stuff. I just, what's in here? Who knows? You're real people on the other end. Yeah. They made a good fix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's nice. I, I will say, and this may just be the old boomer in me that says you, you have to be careful with humor when you are on, on the nonprofit side and you have to, you, you, you want to, uh, uh, not call attention to something if you don't have to. And, and they certainly had to the way they did that, or they, they use the opportunity. And so exercise the wisdom. And uh, I think, I think that sounds, that sounds good. Oh, that's a, that's a great recommendation. Are you drinking? Uh, what are you drinking just now? Sorry. Uh, For those who are not on video, I, I think Ryan's got a can this, of, this will be my, if we can get a sponsorship. Oh, that's uh, awesome. This is, this is um, sparkling tea brewed oh. with hops. So it tastes like a beer, but is not a beer and doesn't have the calorie, you know, any, uh, any of the bad stuff in it, but you know, kind of okay. tastes like summer refreshing. I just, but if, if you're watching the video, it, if it anybody does ever watched the video, I thought, wow, he's how bold is that to just break it, out a beer. It does look like you're going to get some very interesting uh, advice or concepts coming in the net in the next 30 minutes. Coffee. Yeah, tip tip your cup. Yeah, tip that over. Let's see how, how confident you are in that. Well, I don't want to spill on a keyboard. Okay, yeah, so right. let's move along. I don't think we have enough cre credibility with these people to completely banter an entire episode. So. Not completely. Uh, yeah. So next, uh, something you should be doing if you're not already. And I got again, one of those. Going into our focus is on actionable. It's practical. Uh, we deal with this with clients. And when we come into a client, we want to focus on what we can instantly or quickly help you do that is easy to do. Let's get the quick wins and then let's build on that. And this is a version of that. Here are things that if you're already doing this and you're like, okay, this is boring. I'm already doing all this. Great. And pat yourself on the back, validate the hard work it's taken for you to do that. And if anyone has given you grief about making sure that that gets done, fast forward to this part of it when you get back into the office and play this for them validating what, what you want to do. <laughs> but if you're not in that realm, if this isn't something you're doing already, this is something that you can do when you finish listening to the episode. Again, finish listening to the rest of the episode. Don't just swipe out and go do this. But this is not something that'll take you three or four months to put into place. This is something you can put into place today, this week, and you will I got start one to for see right the now. gains. Yeah. Are you ready? Well, then let's go. You call okay. call the ball. All right. Uh, I tried to, but you kept talking. Um, I do that. <laughs> okay. So um, we talked uh, in a previous episode, and we will talk another times about receding and donor thank yous, donor validation, donor feedback. So 
I'm holding up for the camera and I'm covering up the Good job. The, or, the organization, but I don't want to see that. Uh, this is a this is a, a, a number ten envelope, standard business envelope, window envelope, and it, and it contains um, a receipt and a donor validation piece. What the and this happens to be one of our clients. What they did is very cool. Um, it, it actually shows that that people pay attention. Uh, it has you can see in the window. It has uh, Chris and my name, and then I I deleted the address. It's. Uh, but you can see that there's a handwritten note peeking through the window. That's really well done. And so I have to tell you, even if someone is not prone to open these kind of things, seeing dear first name <laughs> in a handwritten, and this happens to be in a purple font. So, I mean, a purple ink, it's even more obviously uh, done by done by the, the, the CEO at our, at our client. Um, this is a this is a technique. You, you probably, hopefully, are writing notes on on receipts and 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 giving donors uh, a warm glow. But if you do it at the, up at the top where you're not supposed to write next to the address and make sure it's visible through the little window, I I hundred percent guarantee your open rate on these will increase because people will know there's a handwritten note, and they will want to know what you wrote them. Because so, every when we get mail, everyone looks to make sure it's for them. Yep, that's a that's a yeah, that's a thing. And so you're looking at your name and address to make sure this is for you, not your neighbor. Oh wait, there's, there's a dear note. first name, and and this I, was dear dear Chris and and I could and it just all I can see is dear Chris and and so I know I got a Steve in there, and then it I can tell. Let's see, what can I say? Where is uh? Actually, I can't even read. Oh, I see my, and then it looks like friend, and then there's something that says there's seeing, S-E-E-I-N-G. So I, I'm just seeing these these words going around that page. So it's 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 powerful. It's so simple. Step into accounting or whoever is doing your receding, or if you're somebody who gets upper level, you know, or your donors or whatever, just take a minute. Don't write down at the bottom by the signature right up at the top where it'll peek through the little window. That's really good. Mine, actually, uh, we if you've listened to other episodes, you'll know we don't pre-plan or compare notes. Uh, so mine, mine goes off of that and, and dovetails with that. In that validation piece or funnel, uh, there are some organizations that in the in the thank you validation have a few pieces that go into that. What you ought to be doing in that, if you're not already doing, is in addition to thanking and validating, you should be asking for a second gift. Absolutely. And now it sounds impolite. It sounds counterintuitive. But if you do it appropriately and you position it where that ask is not an afterthought. It's not just in the PS, but it's not also the lead. You're not saying, dear Steve, we'd like you to give another gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got other business to take care of first, yeah. It works because when the donor gave a gift, they felt a warm glow. We know psychology tells us it feels good to give a gift. It feels good to be validated and hear what your gift did for someone else or, or other things, you know, whatever that mission is. If you 
ride the coattails of that warm glow validating what their gift did and say, you know, I hope, I hope you'll help other kids in need today or other elephants that need shelter today, you know, whatever it is, if you'll, if you'll just dovetail and ask onto that, you mm. will be amazed at how many people return and give that second gift just out of that thank you validation. We have, we have clients where that line of income, that line of giving is six figures. I mean, routinely, that's not, um, and they're not, not they're uncommon. not $10 million clients either. Nope. These are, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's a, a serious the, line of, of income. And they, and get few, if any complaints out of that. And that, that can be one of your things or someone could say, Hey, we don't want to do that. Cause we don't want to make anybody mad. It's very seldom you're going to get a call and get someone angry about that. So put that in experiment with it. You're going to love the results and, uh, you know where you got the idea. Yep. And well, ideally, so, you know, this is how we do a segue uh, in the podcast world. Ideally, you're going to be sending a lot of those thank you validation to reactivated LAPS donors. Oh, yeah. And if if your organization has been around for more than a year, <laughs> you've got LAPS donors. <laughs> Now, if you haven't been around a year, you don't have a lapsed donor yet just because you haven't crossed the year threshold yet. Give it. I actually hadn't thought about it that way. That's great. Give it 45 <laughs> days or how many days it takes to get past a year, and then you're going to have some lapsed donors. And right. So what we mean by lapsed donors is someone who hasn't given to your organization in X period of time. Yeah. It can be a year. It can be two years. Everyone will define it differently but Mm -hmm. in x period of time they have not given to your organization okay so we've got that out of the way what that means why do you want to reactivate them if they haven't given to you recently well i have no idea uh, that just, that's a great question. Okay. Uh, okay. Maybe, so maybe, we, maybe we should, we should ask a lapsed donor. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go into somebody's database and call a okay. lapsed donor. Okay. Let's rewind just slightly and say, um, you know, there's a lot of people who will do a variety of, you, you alluded to the definitions of what a lapsed donor is. Mm-hmm. And in our, in our uh, analytics and reporting work for our, for our full service clients, we're very careful we, we consider a lapsed donor someone who is 12 months and a day since their last gift. And so we look at complete periods. So calendar 20, calendar 19, um, that whole period, if they skipped that calendar year, they become a lapsed donor. The reason for that is a couple of things. One, it makes, it makes the, um, the analytics and reporting very crisp and clean. There's no fuzziness there. They either are in or out. Second thing is that is the hardest benchmark. That's the most difficult benchmark. You're not looking at 24 months for a lapsed donor. You're looking at 12 months in a day. And so that, that makes it so that you're looking at numbers. If you, if you see your numbers on lapsed donors, it really makes it so that it's very clear, you know, where you stand. Okay. So um, uh, the reason, you, you know, your question that, that you ask is, you know, why do you do that? What lapsed donors, uh, lapsed donors are 
people who loved you at some point, they supported your cause, they did, they, 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 they stood with you, they, they wanted you to do the work, they gave you money. It may have been a long, long time history, you know, it may have been a lot of things, may have been a one-time gift. I mean, there, there's a lot of things at play there, but they knew who you were. Compare that and contrast that to people who have no idea who you are that you're trying to acquire as new donors. And so for our clients, you know, uh, uh, we're always building um, uh, not only with cultivation, cultivating existing donors, but we're constantly trying to reactivate these lapsed donors and find new donors. Pound for pound, dollar for dollar, new donors are infinitely more expensive and more difficult to get because you have to educate them about who you are. And well, so well, why is that more expensive? Because uh, you won't do as well with with finding new donors. It, it just costs more to get their attention and cultivate them and bring them in. So, so you say it costs more uh, you know, grabbing like the, the, the vacuum salesman kind of analogy. It costs money to get to the doorstep. It costs money to knock. Then it costs money to make a pitch. If, if you were that household's friend who happened to sell vacuum cleaners, you could get to the doorstep and in the door for free yeah. and then try to sell your vacuum cleaners. Exactly. Um, and the, and the, uh, uh, so I, I think that's, I think that's the case. And I, I suspect if, if people are listening to this podcast, they get that. And so that's the, the first step. The, the second one is to think about, you know, why do people lapse? And there's, there's as many reasons as you have donors. I mean, it's just, you know, they're, they're individual things. Uh, one of the, one of the horrible things I have seen happen with, with, with uh, people on the nonprofit side of the desk is for whatever reason, they decide that donor's mad at them or they did something wrong. And I have to tell you, that's just not true. Probably what happened is they forgot you or you slipped into uh, an irrelevant category in their minds or they might have had a financial downturn and you just didn't make the cut into, the, into their only the top three um, nonprofits they're supporting mm -hmm. or something like that. It is very rare for someone to be um, angry or making a principled stand against your nonprofit. And Usually if that's those the, people let you know they're leaving oh, and they yeah, say, you they take me off the list. <laughs> they don't, they don't walk out quietly. <laughs> that's a great point. And, that's a great point. And we've both been in situations where we've been, uh, you've done surveys and I, I've just happened to talk to, to donors who were lapsed at events or things like that. And when you ask a donor who is lapsed when the last time they gave, I, I will bet you know, my next paycheck, they will be wrong oh, and not I, close. Yeah. You allude to, I, I did a study for a client several years ago where I actually uh, was on the phone with, these were, these were the, the most major of the major yeah, donors. These were this. major donors who should have noticed when money went out the door. Exactly. And, and I'm looking at their gift records and I would, one of my, one of the questions I was uh, first to say, one of, one of the reasons, the purposes of the surveys, we were, we were working on a name change for this brand and uh, just trying to assess, uh, you know, what the connection was with the organization in terms of the emotional connection. And so I, you know, I was, I would ask, are you a donor to, you know, X, Y, Z? And they, they all said, oh yes. And I, 
I would say, well, can you tell me uh, when your last uh, donation was? And the answers were usually around something like, well, I, I think it was, I think I've given in the last year or so. And you can hear them kind of rummaging their mental addict. And they're actually know, wondering, trying to yeah, think. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at their gift records from the client and, you know, there were people who were saying, I think I've given in the last year. And I, I, I wanted to say, it's been a decade since you gave, or it's been five years since you gave, or, Donors just don't think that way. They they're they're not noticing the absence. All right, so and take take that five that five year person. Yeah. When you called, so that this this organization is has had a name uh, that's basically the same for like eighty five years, and they're yeah. changing it. Yeah. And so you you're doing a survey. You call somebody who five years ago was a big baller to this ministry. Mm-hmm. hasn't given in half a decade mm-hmm. and, and wasn't you're aware on, of it and you're but you're calling on behalf of that ministry they're glad to and hear you, from and us. you tell them yeah. hey i'm calling about having this ministry and they don't hang up the phone they're not mad no, no, no they no. they think we're they think they're friends they think they're donors they just so, lost track of it uh, to your uh, point they're not angry that's not why they yeah. left and in fact the really uh, frustrating thing is they're they're so not angry that organization had dropped off their radar completely they didn't and even so, have an opinion of them and so as i came on board and this was a this was a new client relationship situation part of the awareness was you know you this new client we have to do a better job of just getting the donor's attention and and again, that's that's one of the things that happens is the assumption that everybody is sitting waiting for the envelope to arrive or the email to drop into the email box. I've got one email box and it's coming from you, my charity of choice. And I'm just I'm waiting to read that. I can't wait to see what you're sending me. They're just hitting send receive waiting. Come on. It's Tuesday through Thursday. I've got to be getting an email from you because that's when the emails come. Your very best donors uh, are giving to, uh, you know, depending on who you want to listen to, but they're giving to, you know, three and five and 10 different organizations and receiving solicitations from far more than that. And so that's the nonprofit space. Yeah. They're getting tons of They probably also bought shoes from, you know, Zappos and they got emails from Amazon. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it's terrifying the number of marketing messages people in North America get. I mean, I, you know, it's, it, it's in the range of, of uh, 5,000 a day kind of a thing mm. several years ago. So you, it's cluttered, busy space. Donors forgot you or you backed away from your communication of them. Somebody thought it was a great idea to reduce mail and reduce email and reduce the bothering of donors they'll just keep giving and somebody else got in there and wooed your donors away and that's the that's where it's painful so you have to recognize that so donors a lot i i keep going back to it and and to be clear you know i'm i'm married but i think about donors like girlfriends and (laughs) if I almost got a spit take for those of you uh, listening. Yeah, you, you missed I out. Okay. You, a, a donor is like a girlfriend 
or a, a girl you like to date or, if or a boyfriend. Not, I'm just going to on the side or, of that's um, true or yeah, a boyfriend. Okay. Yes, because there could be there if, might be females listening to this possibly. I, I hope know. so. Yeah. Um, but if you're if you're not chasing courting, being Courting's nice to that person, someone else is gonna. Oh, and so you can say, well, you know, they haven't, uh, they haven't shown me that, you know, we're not making eye contact in the, in the hallway or whatever. So I'm just going to, I'm going to stop trying so much. Somebody else is going to keep trying. Sorry. And it's eventually like, that's like buying a, that's like buying a blender for an anniversary present. Right. I mean, you know, it's that kind of, of not smart play. Okay. So, oh so, <laughs> Okay, so uh, I lost the thread. I have Next no week, idea we're talking about donor appreciation gifts. <laughs> which is a great place for a blender. Which, um, yeah, which is great. So, so, that's so how, why, do you, how do you react? Yeah, so that's why you should. Okay. All right, so, so here's the trick. Yeah, how do you do that? The one thing you don't do is, is tell them, well, it's been five years since you've given and, you know, Five children have gone hungry. You know, people have starved to death. You know, people that, have not been. Able to and that food. sounds like a dumb example, but people get see that happen. Yeah, again it, with data fields. Yeah, and because yeah. we've got the giving history, we know when they last gave. We can use. We can be detailed. We can be donor specific. Yeah, which is a Except great idea. That's theory. not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll work. It'll get their attention. Yeah, um, that's and, true. And, it will do something. It, and in all candor, there are some people who will respond to that out of guilt. Guilt's just not the motivator you're looking for. So, uh, the recommend so a couple of recommendations. One is you, you're not looking to um, uh, get them to come back for any other reason uh, except your cause. What, what are you doing? Why would they have come? If you have enough donors and enough data and enough things going on in your, in your marketing and fundraising, if you can look back at what they gave to, in other words, if you have various kinds of things that, you, that go on in your fundraising, if you can look back to the pattern or the time they typically gave, if you can look back to any sort of behavioral thing that was a pattern, that's one of the things you begin to pay attention to. So you look for, excuse me, your strongest impact. You don't try to sit, you know, sandwich some of this stuff into the dead times of the year. If your strongest time from many nonprofits, fourth quarter, maybe September through the end of the year, strongest times, you know, there are also, you know, exceptions of summer and spring, but, Drop in your lapsed donor uh, reactivation type of impact into your regular rhythm. You know, the kinds of things I, I have recommended with clients and we've done successfully with clients is we'll do a version of an email if you can sort it that way or a direct mail piece if you can sort it that way. That, that doesn't talk about, hey, you, you used to support us, but, you know, you're a lousy deadbeat and so you don't, but says... You've made a difference in the past, mm. and and here's here's another opportunity. Um, if they always gave in October, give them an opportunity in October. There may be some reason you don't know that's part of that pattern. Mm. If you can't spot that pattern, or it's not worth it to sort that out because that that happens as well. Go with your strongest time. 
Um, if you're in a situation where you can create a, a lapsed donor reactivation strategy, one of the things that we have done is take a um, uh, look at a year's worth of creative emails, direct mail, and, and decide what was the strongest performer across the board. Let's use that for lapsed donors because you've already proven that as a, as a strong performer. So and, find your best shot and, and get that to these people. When, and, and when you say use that for them, you're talking about taking the thing that worked well with, with normal donors, donors who are in, in the boat with you. Right, right. Okay, this worked really well. Let's tweak the language and how we address it, but all the art would stay the same. Everything yeah. else would stay the same, but there would be a sentence or two talking to them about as one you've of made a, a as, difference in the past. Look what yeah. you've done before. Will you come yeah. in again? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so two other techniques there. One is to, if you are, and hopefully you're, you're in a situation where you can, where you're saying your $15 gift, that's a pretty low amount, your $25 gift, your $50 gift or whatever. Your, your data field gift. Your data field gift. Uh, uh, consider dropping that down just a little bit to get them to come back. Because if it is a situation that involves a dollar amount in the sense of either the donors in a situation where they don't give at the same level they used to, or maybe they just they're, 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 they want to try you out again. You want to give them any way you can get them to come back. That's the name of the game. And so... Um, uh, always do do that. You are 100% looking for ways to get them to come back that don't require you to say, you haven't given since 1978 and we're going to go out of business if you don't give today. You're, you're not looking for any of that stuff. So, so package that that way. That's not repeatable. Like you said, they're going to yeah. they're going to give. They're not going to feel great about it. They aren't going to have that warm glow. Yeah. And then they're going to lapse again. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things we've seen, we've seen doing data is that donors have rhythms. And so once someone crosses the 12 month mark, they're hard to get back. Once someone crosses the 18 month mark, they're proportionally harder to get back. Once you scale all the way back, they begin to get harder and harder. A couple of tricks. <clears throat> one is if you have been sending them direct mail and they're not responding, focus on email if you have that. Whoa, but wait, that's different than their pattern, though. Well, I agreed. And, and so uh, consistency is not my primary skill set. Uh, but what works is if, they're, if they repeatedly ignored one thing, try something else, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if they've repeatedly ignored you this way, see if you can do another thing. We've been successful with this strategy shift, the shifting of the channel you're using, getting donors... And, and making it worth the trouble who are 10-year lapses. Now, that's not easy. I, I, I'm not saying that's, you know, you don't really want people to lapse 10 years, but you're always getting people lapsing to your point about, you know, if you're, if you're 12 months old, you've got people that are going to be a lapsed donors. Well, this lets you just keep shifting and, and have, a, have an ongoing, steady, lapsed donor reactivation strategy so that it's a part of your usual cultivation. It's part of the process. Other strategy, hopefully you're doing new donor acquisition, a variety of ways to go about that. 
always build a component because a, a new donor acquisition piece is hopefully your strongest pitch. It is your very best at bat. Mm-hmm. Have a lapsed donor version of that. Use that in direct mail. Use that in email. Use that in your social media. Whatever, however you're going at people, but but make that a part of things. Well, if you if you buckle those together, you're you're already again, like you said, hopefully doing new donor acquisition. If you listen to this and think, oh, okay, we can do lapsed donor acquisition, the marginal increase in cost to do a different version of that, you know, another letter or uh, whatever the components are, the marginal difference is going to be pretty low to the benefit, the income you can get back if you're using your strongest case. You're not doing it again. It's not doubling the cost. And to your point, once you acquire them, it's easier to keep somebody than it is to try to get them back. The next thing is it's easier to get them in at a lower number than it is to just say, well, we only want you if you can come in at your original giving level. Yeah. And just come in at anything because then now that you're back in the fold, we're on your radar. Yeah. We can try to raise your giving level up, but we can't do that if you don't come in first. And well said. that's the mistake we see clients do a lot is say, well, they were a hundred dollar donor. Just stay so with that. We're yeah. just going to keep asking for that. Well, yeah. no, I mean, that would be great, but get them back them at five and then yeah. give, give us a year to bring them back up to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, you've got lots of tools in your bag, but the thing to remember with these lapsed donors is they loved you before. Mm-hmm. And if you can find the specific reason, uh, to your point, was it a sub program that you do? Was it kids and going back to school? Or, you know, was it uh, in any part of the year? Was it Thanksgiving? Was it Christmas? Whatever it was, if you can identify that funnel, that vertical where they responded, Go there first. If not, just go to what has always worked best for you or historically worked best for you. Exactly. Build off of that. Exactly. And then when those donors give, validate feedback and thank them like crazy. Don't let them leave. Yeah. That works. If if you've been in if you've been broken up with you know what it's like to get another girlfriend. And then you're like, I'm never letting you leave or boyfriend, hey, not letting you it's, leave. It's been too long for me. I just, I, I you know. Yeah. You don't know. I, I mean, it's been a while for me, but I watch, I watch TV. I know that works. I know about oh, Archie and Veronica or whatever. <laughs> okay. Move right along with the I got, Archie I got two. I got two in this one. <laughs> so next is, is things that should be on your radar in these conversations that uh, these informal podcasts that we've been having for years before we actually got mics, we would pass back and forth, you know, Hey, have you read this? You got to look at this, check this out. And uh, sometimes they're fundraising related. Sometimes they're just interesting. And the phrase we would use a lot is, Hey, if this isn't on your radar, you got to put it on your radar. You don't have to get to it today, but man, you ought to read this in the next week. You got to check this out. And so this is that segment for you, dear listener, first name is <laughs> this is something that ought to be on your radar just to read 
Uh, some of it will help directly in fundraising. Some, sometimes it's just interesting way to retrain your brain to use different muscles. Yep. This week for me, um, this is directly related to fundraising, is a book, Persuasion, by he Robert Persuasion, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He needs a, he needs a proofer. Um, <laughs> by Robert Cialdini or Cialdini. I've actually never heard it spoken. Have yeah. you? Uh, I, 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 it's just so embarrassing. I actually listened to a podcast, I mean, a YouTube video to an introduction of him. Mm-hmm. So I could be sure I said it right because I was talking about it in front of some people and I don't remember which way it was. <laughs> but it was one of the two. So I'm, I'm, I'm close. Google it on YouTube. You'll yeah, find it. You'll find it. Anyway, this, uh, so Dr. C, um, You've probably heard of him from his book, Influence. He wrote a few years before this, and it it also is a masterclass uh, talking about using influence to get people to take action. But what fascinated me about persuasion, not only the misspelling, is that he takes opportunities and he looks at people who are good salespeople are good influencers, good people at getting someone else to take a direct action, which as fundraisers is what we're all about. We want Mm -hmm. to get a donor to want to take our desired action. And so never to manipulate, but to influence, to exactly to 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 help them head the right direction. To guide. If, Mm -hmm. if you pull the cord to get off the bus, you hop off, you're, don't keep you, but would like to keep you on the bus the whole route. And so he followed um, car salesmen, smoke detector, fire alarm system salesmen. He would show up as a trainee and say, hey, I want this job. And when you're a trainee, you get paired with the best person because you realize these people who are naturals at this don't know what they do well. They're not working out of a manual. They're working out of their head and heart, right? And one of the things he found is that they are winning the sale. They're winning the influence. They're winning that engagement before they even ask for that person to take the action. And it's all in the pre-influence, all in the pre-suasion. And that's what we can do in fundraising. And that, that seems weird. Well, we're not with them usually, unless we're a major gift officer or something. But when you're writing an email or you're writing a letter, you can use the first paragraphs before you get to your ask sentence, your ask paragraph. You can use the teaser on your outer envelope. You can use the subject line, the preheader text. You can use all of that to move the donor into a receptive space so that they're almost ready to hand over their money. They're almost guaranteed to partner with you you just have to say, here's where you click. Here's yeah. where you sign. Yeah. And it's an easy read. It's fascinating. It is worth, it's worth your time. Influence is great, but this, this is the B side. This is underrated. Mm. Nice. Nice. I like that. All right. Mine's easy. Um, well, and, and I, I think we need to just uh, do an episode at some point on, on that. Cause I think that's, that's a, 
a cool thing. All right, so the one I'm talking about is my dog Reacher, and I'm holding a picture up. Uh, Reacher is a an Intley Booker. Don't worry about that. No one's ever heard of that. They're think the of a smallest, Swiss Mountain Dog, smallest of the Swiss Mountain Dogs. So I I I, I discovered the the um, what's called the Dunning Kruger effect, and it's D U N N I N G. K-R-U-G-E-R. You can Google that. Uh, it's one of the cognitive biases that, that people have. The reason I discovered that when I when we got this new dog was that I, I have a history of training Labrador retrievers and have have done fairly well training labs and and um, kind of you know kind of a little swaggered my dog training uh, uh, walk. Reacher is not a Labrador retriever. And one of the things I discovered was I didn't know half as much about dog training as I thought I did. I knew a lot about training three Labrador retrievers over time, not a lot about training a bunch of dogs. The Dunning-Kruger effect, the reason that applies is it, it's, a, it, it's a, a, a cognitive bias. It's a thing that happens in which people believe we're smarter than we actually are. It's, it's sort of the opposite of, of the imposter syndrome and mm. some of that kind of stuff. But it, it, it literally is identifying the fact that because you know something, a little something, you think it applies across here. And I've seen that happen many times in the fundraising world. And I just want to say one of the great places to, to, to be in um, uh, thinking about doing fundraising for your organization is don't assume you're the expert. Uh, Ryan, you and I, we, we spend our, both our, 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 our work time and then our off time living and breathing fundraising. Um, uh, I, I certainly old guy. So I'll just talk about you. You know, you see, you see more fundraising and deal with more fundraising in a year than most people will spend in their lifetime. Even if they're, yeah. even if it, that it's their job at a nonprofit. And, and so not only do you have that experience, but then we, we had this internal stuff. And so one of the things that I, I want to encourage and, and one of the phenomenon that I have, it's well-meaning, but the Dunning-Kruger effect will bite you on the bottom and give you bad problems is that you don't listen to secretary. Don't listen to even to the board member. Don't listen to the really smart doctor. Don't listen to the really smart businessman. Get an expert in fundraising. That's not me patting myself on the back. This is my lesson from dog training. I thought I knew how to train all dogs because I had been successful training three. And they were Labradors. Once I got into this Intley Booker, I had to go back to the beginning and relearn a lot of the, fun, the fundraising. A lot of the, the, the <laughs> dog training, I, I thought I knew. Fundraising is tricky. Much of it is counterintuitive. Um, I'm just going to say as a, as a boomer, it is different than it was two years ago or five years ago or certainly 20 years ago. Oh, my gosh. But that means you have to have an expert. You have to have somebody who has breadth and has experience, not just someone who is um, going to go off their gut because they've got great instincts. That's lovely. And that can be great input, but it is not as helpful as somebody who is a professional and mm. somebody who sees a breadth of things. One of the things that 
outside experts bring is seeing a bunch of clients over time and deep dives and results. No substitute for it. I'm not, you know, promoting us as, as who someone should, should hire. Although that's not a terrible idea, but it is the idea. Google Dunning-Kruger, D-U-N-N-I-N-G, and, and just read and look at how that can get you in the fundraising space. Because okay. we all know the person who either came into your organization from another organization and knows they know how to do it because it worked well at this. And it may have been a huge organization that raised a lot of money. Well, that could have been the Labrador retrievers, which if you know exactly. Labrador retrievers, they just want you to they <laughs> just tell me what you want me to do. And I'm going to do it. I don't care what it's it is. So I just do easy. What you want. And my it, boy Reacher's like, you got to convince me I'm going to go get that. He, he's I'm a lapsed do donor kind of dog. Yeah, like, yeah he you, really is. <laughs> okay, tell, tell me, you know, give me your best acquisition kit and I'll think about it. And, I'll give it some thought. And so we've all got those people who mm-hmm. just know what it is because it worked once or it worked at one place. Or they and, or they saw a, a powerful webinar or podcast and they're going to buy the, what those guys are selling. So Not this podcast, but other podcasts. Well, the, we're not the, selling anything anyway. If somebody cites smart, this yeah. podcast, you can guarantee you know they know what they're doing. Yeah. And it, but, yeah, it's probably one of us. That's right. Ah, but ah, Google ah. Dunning-Kruger, uh, you, you'll be both educated and a little depressed and you may, you may see that in yourself. Uh, when I it's learned always, about that, I realized how often I do that in my own life, it's which that just, sucked. It's hard to avoid. Ugh. Well, this has been episode four, but this is not your father's fundraising podcast. Now come back next week or just scroll on down to episode Keep five. Because on, find a, on our find next a title episode, that looks good and because it, it's going to be... Because on our next episode, we're going to talk about why skywriting is the donor communication method that you're not using nearly enough. Oh, I like that one. I like that. That'll be great. Awesome. So tune in next time. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Thomas. I'm Ryan Thomas. And this is Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Tune back in next week for another fresh episode of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast.